0: Just a quick heads up that these are adults having adult conversations about things that take place on a show where the adults use a lot of adult language. All this to say, there might be some salty language ahead, so please plan accordingly.
1: What do you want? You and the break up? Who told you that? No one. I use body science. Why, is it true? <sighs> hmm. What's that fucking face? It's called empathy, you dusty old fart. Look, as someone who's been dumped by Keely, I get it. She didn't dump me? You dumped her. Why? I don't want to talk about it. Why'd you come in here? Oh, let me guess. You want to know if it's okay to ask her out, right? No, I was just... I I was just seeing if you were okay, man. What the fuck are you doing? I was going to hug you. You came at me too fast. Jesus, sorry. I forgot how skittish elderly people could be because of the war.
0: What would Ted Lasso do? That's the question we explore in each episode of this podcast. We take the lessons we learn from Ted Lasso and apply them to the real world through the lens of leadership and positive psychology. My name is Dimple Devalia,
1: And I'm Jeff Harry. We hope you enjoy this episode as much as we enjoyed making it, and that it helps you discover your own lasso way and embrace what it means to believe.
0: All right, welcome back, everyone. Today we are talking about Season 3, Episode 2, I Don't Want to Go to Chelsea, This one was written by Sasha Guerin. She also wrote the episode Midnight Trainer Royston, which we saw last season. And this one was directed by MJ Delaney again, who also directed last week's episode and so many others. So, yeah.
1: What is that fancy 80s music that shows up at the beginning of the show? I did not recognize that. What was that?
0: Well, thanks for asking, Jeff. I appreciate you. That was actually, it's called Lovely Day slash Good as Hell Mashup by Pomplamoose. So that's the song that we hear. Again, there is a great site, we'll link to it again, that lists out every single song in the show and where it shows up. So, yeah. So so
1: it opens up with at KBJR. I don't even understand what exactly she does, but I'm assuming... It's PR related. Um, yeah, so it's or,
0: KJPR. Okay, Keely, Pu- Keely Jones Public hey, Relations.
1: But I can't. I, but it's <laughs> it's fascinating because the CFO has already shown up at the beginning of the show, and like the staff is looking stiff as usual, <laughs> <laughs> and the CFO's like, "So remember, the client pays over the shoot, so don't go over. Don't go over the amount." And that's clear. And I think Keely is just like, well, I hope the you know, don't we want the photo shoot to go well? And she's like, yeah, I guess we want that as well.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It is. It is interesting to see her dynamic with the CFO. And I think we see this in this episode quite a bit. I think people don't take Keely seriously, Mm. right? Like if you remember in the past season, She showed up to Rebecca's office and she had like a planner with a unicorn on it or something and like Rebecca, like gave her crap for that. And she was like, what, you know? And so Keely is who she is. But even we see at the photo shoot, which we'll talk about afterwards, but, but where people are like, I don't think she does get it. And so,
1: right, right. And they're saying it right in front of her. Yeah.
0: And so this is her firm and the CFO is like running the show, you know?
1: And it actually reminds me of the first season when Keely and Ted get along really early on. And mm-hmm. I think they both get along really early on because neither of them are taken seriously, right? And if huh. anything, they connect with one another. They ha- start hanging out with one another because they believe in each other, right? Yeah. They they actually want to hear each other's opinion while everyone else is just like, whatever, I don't even understand what these people are doing.
0: And I sometimes feel like Keeley's like the female version of Ted in a lot of ways, right? Mm -hmm. Like Mm -hmm. with her kindness and how she treats other people. And, you know, I think she's a pretty curious person, too, in terms of curiosity of other people and things like that. And she really tries to connect
1: with yeah. people.
0: And I think yeah. Ted does the same thing. And so, yeah, that's a that's a really interesting observation.
1: So when she's trying to connect with him right before she leaves to go to the photo shoot, she goes, you know, don't do anything I wouldn't do. Yeah. And then one of them is just like, what wouldn't you do? Like, <laughs> like they are just that disconnected from joy <laughs> and fun and Keely. And they don't even probably understand what they're doing there. Right. Yeah. Like, yeah. What? I don't even know what job they have. Yeah. And just the distance between the desks, the energy in the room, it's just so drastically different. And yeah, that is what she's up against to start the show.
0: Yeah, it's really fascinating. So um, I mentioned this last week, but I have it linked here and we'll definitely add it to the show notes. But there's this really interesting article that was written about like how they decided on the set design this time. And Mm. one of the things they talk about is how Keely's confidence comes through her surroundings rather than through herself. Mm. And so you look at like every office that she's had or whatever, she makes it her own. So even this one. You walk into her office and it's just like, you know, the fuzzy throw pillows Mm -hmm. and her pink cheetah and like all of that. Right. And even the KJPR sign is like this fluorescent pink, you know, but then you look at the rest of the office and it's very like bland and dead and quiet and... When I think public relations and I, you know, I could just be projecting, but like, I think of people who are like talking to each other and yeah. like, figuring out like, you know, because it's all about putting stuff out into the public and yeah. she introduces them to Rebecca last week as the poets behind KJPR, right? Like, oh. I think that's, I think that's what she said. Cause I guess they're writing all the the stuff maybe, but right. like, yeah, it was just a very weird dynamic.
1: Well, even what the CFO said last time where they were just like, you're spending two hundred dollars on flowers every week. And she's like, yeah, to brighten up the place. Yeah. And that seems like a lot for flowers, but also seems very little for a PR firm as well. (laughs) So it's just like, I'm sure they spend millions of dollars. So so but she's just like, no, that's a line item that doesn't make sense, you know?
0: Yeah, and and the way she characterizes flowers, right? Like,
1: oh yes, they're for
0: like dead people, and no, for funerals. I can't remember now. Something, but something about like when people die and when relationships die. Essentially, it's like the two times for flowers. Exactly.
1: Yeah, I was like, where is that? There is. I'll find it and I'll let (laughs) you know because I wrote that down specifically. Yeah, I was like flowers.
0: That That was really funny. All right, so we start out.
1: Oh, I got it. Flowers are for dead people and dead marriages that's what it is yeah oh that's so depressing dead (laughs) marriages yikes
0: (laughs) and that was actually that was when rebecca responded she seems fun yeah and that was like a callback to beard had said that at one point i don't remember who he was talking about at that time but same thing where he was like oh she seems fun oh no it was when dr sharon first came Oh, OK. Yeah. And they were all in the office and she kind of like walked away afterwards. He's like, well, she seems fun, <laughs> which actually makes me think that. Uh, and also because of who this actor is, that Barbara will actually really come around and stuff. And we uh-huh. already see like Keely, like kind of connecting with her and stuff. Right. But, right. All right. So then we move into Rebecca's office. <laughs> yeah. And
1: they, and they cheer when Ted walks in. There's like an extra cheer, which is really interesting.
0: <laughs> yeah. And so we see that Trent Krim is back, which is exciting. Trent
1: Krim, not from the independent anymore.
0: Right. He is independent now, but not from the independent. independent. (laughs) And he wants to write a book about the team. And so I will say this was a huge prediction in the Ted Lasso groups. A lot of people Mm. saying, oh, he's probably going to write a book. And he is writing a book. So and nobody wants him to do this, but nobody wants to say it to him.
1: (laughs) I love it. I love it. And they're so they literally ask Ted, What do you think? And then they're just giving him all the gestures. And he's sitting there for a while, just like milking it, right? Yeah. Oh, no, 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 no. Don't do it. Sure. And then he's like, I mean, geez. Sure. Why the heck not?
0: <laughs> and I kind of feel like that's what you get. If you don't have the courage to speak up, you have to live with whatever anybody else decides, you know?
1: Exactly. Exactly.
0: So so yeah. So they are moving forward with the book and then they find out that this Zava is leaving Juventus.
1: Oh well, but even before Zava, going back to Trent, uh huh. I feel like they brought in Trent the way they brought in Jamie.
0: Oh. How it has so. that
1: same feel. Well, most people did not want Jamie back. Right? Oh,
0: oh, oh! Well, you mean when they brought him back the second
1: brought like, back to the team? Yeah, yeah,
0: okay. Uh-huh. And
1: now it's like even though Trent is like writing a book and it might be critical of Richmond, I think Ted is also being like, "We're going to welcome Trent to the team. Trent might be a good addition to the team," which is fascinating because no one wanted Jamie back, right? And no one wants Trent back, or no one wants Trent there. But then again, Ted is bringing this new person into the team in, in some way. Yeah. And all of a sudden, now we get to see Trent on a regular basis, which I'm getting excited about.
0: I love it. I really like him. But I will say, I don't I don't think that the rest of the team doesn't want him there. I think it's only Roy who doesn't want him there.
1: Well, no, but doesn't Rebecca and Higgins oh, oh, and oh, Healy, oh, oh, oh. they all don't want him there. I'm talking about that.
0: That's true. Yeah. They don't. And but, they didn't want,
1: and they didn't want, and Higgins and.
0: Right. Okay. I see. I see. Yeah, a I lot of them. Mean, didn't I want. thought you meant the team.
1: Okay. Yeah. Not, yeah, the, yeah, team, yeah. Yeah, not the players. Yeah.
0: Okay. Yeah. 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 That makes sense. All right. So then we see Zava, or we learn about Zava. And the reason that they're, he's coming to England is because his wife binged the office, the British version of the office, not the, the American. That, the yeah, pre-make. The pre-make. Make, the- and. There was a lot of talk about this in a bunch of the articles, but that this is Zava is actually a fictionalized version of
1: Zlatan.
0: Yeah. Of real life Swedish. Ibrahimovic. Yeah. Real life Swedish stars, Zlatan Ibrahimovic. Ibrahimovic.
1: Yep. Ibrahimovic.
0: Okay. I don't know. Like I haven't seen him play in real life. So so he's,
1: he's really good, right? I don't think he's the best ever, but he thinks he's the best ever. And at one point, not only play with the top teams in Europe, but then he came and played for the LA Galaxy, and in like his first touch in his first game ever, he scores a goal. So like everyone considers him like a god. But here's a great, oh, this is a perfect example of, of Zlatan. So I think LeBron James sent him a signed, like, autograph when he got there. It was either it was LeBron or Kobe. Someone someone, welcomed him to LA. And what Zlatan did was he signed the poster and then sent it back.
0: <laughs> oh well, that tells you everything, doesn't it? So
1: that tells you everything about this dude. Like this dude talks in the third person. He literally is like Zlatan will not answer that question. He's like that. It's ridiculous, and he looks like that dude. Yeah, he looks very similar to that dude.
0: Yeah, and the and we will see him a little bit later when they actually go to Chelsea, and so he's played by oh gosh Maximilian. Oh, the name just went out of my head. I'll find it and then come back to it. But one thing I forgot to mention at the beginning and to ask you is any kind of overarching themes for this episode.
1: Oh, I don't know yet. I think they're going to appear as we continue to talk. Okay. But yeah, not yet.
0: So for me, the themes that kind of stood out were origin stories Mm. and like second chances. And then, like regrets, the second chances and regrets kind of going together. So those are the the two that kind of
1: showed up for me. And so, so Zava is there, right? He's leaving Juventus. He's a, as they describe him, he's a huge diva. He goes through teams like he goes through manicures. <laughs> he's played for fourteen teams, you know, in like fifteen seasons. And he, yeah, and he wants to come to the Premier League. So now there's this competition between Chelsea, West Ham and richmond are like well could we get him even though we can't afford him and what's interesting about that moment right there is they got all excited and they're leaving and then trent who they didn't want to first be there but now trent is like able to read tea leaves reads it so well and he's like wait a minute you mean to tell me that you simply want to get zava simply because your ex-husband wants him and she's like yes (laughs) and he's like i love that yeah (laughs) and it's zaba dabadoo like like, like.
0: but backing up from there he he picks up on it because when she initially starts out she's like he's a Mm -hmm. diva he's this why would Mm -hmm. anyone want him and then as soon as she hears that west ham is interested then she just without missing a beat is like but who doesn't like working with a diva (laughs) and you know like so that yeah so that's where he like really cues in on that and good for her like you know, she that, and meanwhile, you see all the the three of them now: Ted, Keeley, and Higgins, like saying, "Don't say it, don't say it." She's like, "Right, yes, yeah." <laughs> you
1: know, <laughs> like I'm going to do exactly what Ted did. I'm going to speak my mind, and like this is going to be a good book. Like you know, regardless of what happens this season, this is going to be a good book.
0: Yeah, yeah. So then like they all leave the office and stuff. And Ted and Keely chat for a couple of minutes.
1: And I love that discussion they had. Right. Because she goes, I wish my coworkers would loosen up. Yeah. And she's like, maybe I get a shaman and we do ayahuasca. Like talk about like such an extreme because she so badly wants to connect with them. (laughs) And then he's just like, well, I was just thinking you go outside of the office. (laughs) <laughs> like maybe an escape room or something.
0: <laughs> right. So. so he suggests, you know, when she says, I wish they'd loosen up, he says, well, you know, maybe you should take, go out with them. And then she does the blood moon thing. And then he says, Oh, well, I was thinking about the escape room, but yeah, the, the Iowa, <laughs> I just think like she wants to connect with people on such a deep level. Yeah, so quickly. fast. Qu- yeah. Quickly, exactly. Yeah. As
1: quickly. As quick as possible,
0: <laughs> which I think is really cute. And so that, conversation ends and we've got lots of moments of comedy as usual so that's where like i think it's funny that people are complaining that this season isn't as funny because i'm like there's so many moments of comedy so then there's isaac who comes out who wants a shoe deal no particular brand just shoes (laughs) just shoes in general like he wanted only rolos last time not not sweets or candy but just rolos right (laughs) like isaac knows what he likes And then you see Jamie, like, come out. And it's just, it's really fun to see him, like, all nervous Mm -hmm. talking to her, right? Like, Mm -hmm. he's stuttering over his words and not complete sentences and stuff. And then we see Roy come in and... I just loved the scene with Isaac and Jamie at the water right. cooler. Who,
1: who knew that he knew body science that <laughs> Isaac of any people knows what kin- kinesis kin- K- kin- is. Kinesis. Kinesis is. And it's so good because he's like no eye contact. Roy's clenched ass. I'm like, what? He's like, it's science. It's clearly they broke up at science. He doesn't even mention the bag being passed to her or right. uh, like all of her stuff and right. things like that. But that is fascinating. And what I found even more fascinating about that part was then what Jamie did because I'm thinking, "Ooh, Jamie's like opportunity, time for me to swoop in on Keely," and he doesn't. He doesn't. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, "What is happening?"
0: Yeah. I love that. I think Jamie has really had one of the biggest growth arcs in this show like when you think about the very first episode of the show and how he left you know like left the locker room early when ted showed up to talk to everyone and stuff and you look at him now where you're right like he had that opportunity to follow her and be like are you okay blah blah blah, Mm -hmm. and swoop in but he goes to check on roy Mm -hmm. (laughs) what i thought was funny is that roy like ducks into the boot room which we saw last season is where like all the secrets get spilled, right? Yep. It's like the boot room and poor little yep. will is always in the background, just always in the back the- of
1: the boot room. No, because then they're, they're talking about, you know, and he's like, I learned you broke up with Keele. He's like, who told you? He's like, I use body science. <laughs> right. And then they, they stop will. And they're like, will, Don't say anything. And Will's like, well, I had a breakup recently. And if you all want to, maybe we should all go out. We'll be like the single guys. (laughs) You know, it's like, you know, we're the new, what is it? Diamond dogs. And he's like, or I could just be keep my mouth shut. You know, (laughs) like, okay.
0: That was cute. (laughs) But yeah, like, so. so Jamie is genuinely concerned. And I think like they had a real turning point last season during that Man City game where like that big hug, right? Like where Roy went and just hugged him because he knew like what that felt like and or or what Jamie was going through in that moment. And so I think that that was kind of a turning point from them now. And and especially like, and so now he's coming out to comfort Roy. But Roy, <laughs> it's so like when he goes in for the hug and Roy's just like, what are you doing? And you know, you came at me too fast. And and it's just he like did the come whole at him scene. pretty
1: fast. Also they're both trying to figure <laughs> it out. They're both trying to figure out how to do this thing. And he's like, it's called empathy. And he's like, I don't want to talk about it.
0: <laughs> that's the other funny thing, right? So when he initially went, like tilted his head to the side, and went, mm, I was like, oh, is he making fun of him? And right. then but he genuinely thinks that that's what empathy is. And the funny thing is everybody. So like when the locker room reacts to uh-huh. Roy, they all do the side held. Mm. Uh huh. And then when he goes to Chelsea and the the guy, um, the usher, you know, does the same thing, and I'm just like, wow, that's hilarious. That that's how they're portraying empathy. Is this like, my gosh? "Hmm." And so, yeah, I just thought that was really funny. And just Jamie's lines in that whole scene are so like the whole thing about I forget how skittish old people are because of the war,
1: because of the war. You're like, what war? (laughs) So. yeah. But also Roy thinks he's there. He's like you want to know if you're it's okay to ask her out, right? Like yeah. he's like thinking the worst of him, you know, or thinking he's just going to go back to his old ways and he's not. And yeah. that just blows my mind. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, he's making assumptions, right? Instead of asking, like why are you, you know, like what's what's your real motive for being here or whatever. Right.
1: Meanwhile, Will's like, "Hey, you, we all want to get some fish bowls together," which is hilarious. <laughs> you know? Just a hilarious image to think of Will hanging out with them, right? It's, getting some yeah. fish bowls and talking about their single guys club.
0: I just don't know when Jamie even saw him back there because, like, mean, it did look like I kept watching it. I'm like, he walks in, he doesn't look back at all. But yeah, I just thought that was really funny, and the fact that it took place in the boot room, I just thought was really cute. Right. And then we go back to
1: the office where where Ted is like reading one of the soccer strategy books for the first time ever. Now I'm wondering, what what why did you think he was reading those books?
0: You know, I think he just, I think he's starting to get nervous. Like, I think he's starting mm-hmm. to feel like there's a lot of pressure because everyone's saying like, oh, you got to take the whole thing now. That's what you're here for. And there's a part of me that just feels like he's like, trying different things to, you know, like that's not his style. That's beard style. That's not yep. Ted style. Interestingly, that inverting the pyramid book is the one that beard is reading when they were on their flight to England in the very first episode. Oh. Okay. So, yeah. And then can we just talk about for a second like beard's little screams in this whole I love episode? all the screams. They're, they're hilarious. It's so perfectly timed. Like his timing on this has been really funny. <laughs> Okay, but so the guy playing Zava is Maximilian Ozinski, and okay. he was also in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. I don't know if you saw that, but. Okay, no. Yeah. But yeah. So then there's that whole situation in the locker room, and we're like, they can't communicate. Like Just everyone's Such confused. bad
1: communication all around. But this is how rumors happen in the office, right? Like yeah. no one is understanding anyone, right? They're yeah. they're going back and forth and then they're like at one point it'd be like, "Why would Zava write a book about Trent Crim?" Like yeah. I just don't understand. And they start arguing about that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, that's where like if you don't use like actual like names of people, it does get confusing sometimes. And so yeah, so that whole like thing was just pure comedy again. And then Roy walks in, and well, and we find out that the whole reason everyone's upset is because it wasn't about Zava, it wasn't uh-huh. about Trent Krim, it was about hearing that Roy and Keeley broke up. And then right. we see Ted, and like we see, we hear Beard, and then we see Ted kind of like faint, you know.
1: And I'll go back just to the confusion part. That's yeah. such good writing, right? Yeah. Because it has that who's on first yeah. comedy vibe to it. Yeah. And, to, I was trying to write all that down and it's really hard to actually follow yet at the same time you're like oh I understand why he feels that way so I'm so yeah. confused yet it was so well written
0: yeah it was It was really well written and then Roy actually walks in and the whole team empathizes together
1: mm-hmm, <laughs> like oh which just makes him even more angry I know. And well then and he's he like
0: th- he's about to go after Jamie right yeah and he
1: thinks Jamie is about it with like who probably said it? Isaac, probably. Probably Isaac. Yeah, I'm
0: guessing Isaac. Yeah. And then Ted like wants to send Will back to his house to get his Ted's breakup mix. And Ted's like, "What?" Well, I mean, uh, Will's like, what's the CD? <laughs> so- <laughs> right.
1: And as if as if Roy wants that CD, like that's exactly. the last thing he wants. And then Coach Beard fa- almost faints you know, when he yeah. finds out.
0: So Coach says, I'll go get it. Coach Beard says, I'll go get it. Right. And and Ted throws his keys at him and Beard doesn't even turn around. He's like, I've got to set. And then you think he's leaving, but he comes back in when Roy says, well, I broke up with her. And th- and then he's we like, hear ah! that scream again. But interestingly, if you go into <laughs> oh, App- Apple Music, God. you can find oh. Ted's breakup mix in Apple Music.
1: Oh, my gosh. I and, love that. Yeah. I love and it. There's like a
0: whole bunch of really good songs on there. That um, is awesome. So, yeah. And then we get this first inkling of Roy has an issue with Trent Krim. So Trent Krim arrives Mm. and it's Roy who like, you know, because Ted's welcoming him and all this stuff. And Roy said Roy yells and forbids anyone to talk to him. Right.
1: Yeah. If anyone says anything to him, I'm going to headbutt you.
0: (laughs) Yeah, exactly.
1: Which is what Zava did to that guy in the grocery store.
0: Right. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah. Right. Huh. Interesting. So two things. <laughs> One is Danny trying to sound tough is just too funny. Right. Like, cause he's like, woo. And then like, everyone's like, what are you doing? And then he's like, well, fuck off Trent Crimp. <laughs> and it was just like, you could tell he's so uncomfortable, right?
1: You can tell the whole team is uncomfortable <laughs> because they don't want to, they're, they're an inviting team, right? They welcome everybody. Yeah. They've welcomed everyone from all over the world. Why wouldn't they let, you know, welcome Trent Crimp?
0: Yeah, but the other part that I thought was hilarious was if you really look at through this whole scene and you watch Phil Dunster, who plays Jamie, he's in the background trying not to crack. Yeah, up. he
1: yeah, he almost busts out yeah, laughing a, a few times when yeah. Roy walks off. Yeah.
0: Oh, my gosh, that was funny. And then we get to Keely's commercial shoot, which we kind of talked about, right? Like she Mm -hmm. she's in this space. She's got all these ideas and nobody's really taking her seriously. Like they're actually saying to her face, like, I don't think she does get it. Right. You know? Right. And we meet her friend Shandy Fine, played by Abreen Razia. And it almost feels like there's this person there who now like she does like she does know her and she feels safe Mm -hmm. with her. Right. Mm hmm. And Shandy has like some great ideas right there to help them save money and still make the shoot a success and all of that.
1: But also Shandy, I love how, because in a really quick way, basically describes what Keely's life used to be, right? She's like, what's going on with the girls? And they're like, married a football player, married a footballer, married a footballer. I married a footballer, but then I divorced a footballer and now I'm here. Right. So and the fact that they say I saw you on Vanity Fair fully clothed, you yeah. made it out all by yourself. And that was that is fascinating. Like, yeah. That whole description and that whole like, you know, and maybe one day I'll be able to make it out myself. Right? Yeah. yeah. And then she literally saves her tens of thousands of dollars, if not hundreds of thousands of dollars, because that group was like, yeah, we need a 100 more people. And the person's like, no, you don't. We can easily do it through this suggestion that saves the day for Keely and also make sure that she doesn't get in trouble with her CFO.
0: (laughs) And it is so it is a little bit of her origin story coming out, right? Like to your point, like we are learning little bits about like what her life might have been like, what it was like before, uh-huh. even just the comment about like the short skirts and stuff like that. Right. Mm-hmm. Like we are hearing all these things and let, let's just talk about Keely and Shandy. And so then later on, we see Shandy in Keely's office now and, you know, yeah. and they're talking and stuff and you can tell that Keely finally feels like super comfortable. She's got someone uh-huh. there. And then Barbara comes in is just so rude and condescending. So mean. Right. And I love this moment because it's, it's one of those pivotal moments that I think a lot of leaders experience in their yep. leadership. Right. It's that moment of knowing that somebody on your staff has done something that is not OK.
1: Yep.
0: And acknowledging it to the person who has been wronged. So in this case, she, she says to Shandy, she says, I'm so sorry for that yeah, and then she says, "I'm going to take care of this." and And
1: she does it immediately, and
0: she does it immediately. And I think that, like number one, that takes a lot of courage. It's not easy to have those kinds of conversations and to call yep. people out when they've done something because it's it's conflict inducing potentially, right? And so, or it's steeped in conflict to begin with. Mm-hmm. And so the fact that she has made this choice that, you know, I'm the leader here. I need to step up and do the right thing. And she goes to Barbara's office. She closes the door and she's very direct with her. I need Mm -hmm. to talk to you. You can't talk to people that way. That's not okay. And then I love when she sees the snow globes.
1: She stops. She stops in the middle of berating her. And it's just like, that's a lot of snow globes.
0: Yeah. And she gets curious, right? Yeah. What's that about?
1: Just be curious, right?
0: Yeah. And you can see Barbara, like, starts to get, like, almost embarrassed, like, oh, mm-hmm. well, you know, I guess it's silly, like, I, you know, I, they tr- send me places, I get them, I guess it's silly. And instead of, you know, that was, like, for some leaders, it could have been an opportunity, like, yeah, like, and put her down in some way, but instead, Healy uses that as an opportunity to connect. Yeah. And, you know, compliments her on it. And. I was reading in one of the the Facebook groups, someone said, I just have this feeling she's going to make the whole office into like this glittery, happy snow globe, you know, and you could totally see her doing that. Right. Yeah. But I like what she says at the end, which is maybe you and I can see how good it feels to believe in someone else together.
1: Right. Well, part of the reason why that resonates is because I thought the snow globes represented the fact that she's been moved around a lot. Is that what you saw? I didn't just see it as her just visiting many places. I saw it as that she's had many leaders and she's been moved around a lot and she really has no connection to people. She just sees each thing as she's brought in to manage money and make sure that it doesn't go over budget. And that's it. But she has no other connection besides the globes to wherever she's at. And Keely's like, No, we're going to actually... I'm saying I'm believing... You're going to believe in Shandy. I'm believing in you. And you need to believe in us. And that all is happening right here. And I was like, ooh, okay, Keely.
0: I hadn't really put that together, but that makes a lot of sense. I took it as like they send her to a lot of places for short amounts of time. Mm -hmm. And so I did see it in that way. And I agree. And I saw it as there aren't deep connections made. It's just... This and snow globes are like the idealized version of a place, right? Right. And so, like, she's got these little idealized versions of each place with no real connection to anywhere. But I'm curious now if it's, but so you don't mean that it's because she's not good at her job or anything like that. No, it's just, not okay. that she's not okay. good at her so job. Then, yeah, it's more the idea the of page. like yep. she's
1: never been in any place for a long period of time. Yeah. That, that, so she doesn't feel part of any team. Yeah. You know, and it's kind of like a kid that gets moved around a lot. You just aren't able to build a lot of connections because so you don't trust anyone to build connections with because you know you're gonna get moved again.
0: Yeah.
1: And yeah, there's no, like I think that makes way sense. too many snow globes on there. So so you're like no. clearly she's been everywhere, yet nowhere.
0: Yeah. Oh, that's so interesting though. Yeah. Yeah, so I think that's going to be an interesting kind of relationship to watch between Keely and Barbara, but also between Keely and Shandy, because I mm-hmm. think that we see Keely stepping into this role of mentorship and leadership. And Shandy is probably where Keely was many years ago.
1: Right, right. Right. Especially when she sends her the text of like, let's use your company card for some of those mimosas. <laughs> and it's just like, okay, do you remember that?
0: I don't think that was in this episode.
1: Oh, no, it? it is. It She gets the text while she's at the game.
0: Oh. And it's
1: from Shandy. And that's right. what it okay, says. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you're right.
1: So then Keely's like, okay, I, I realize I'm going to have to like rein her in a little bit.
0: But even then she says, oh, yeah, she's full of ideas. <laughs> full you of know?
1: ideas. <laughs>
0: so, uh, Yeah. Uh, yeah. And so a good chunk of this takes place at, oh, actually, I just want to say one other. so I want to talk about the Trent Roy thing because I thought that was really beautifully done. Mm-hmm. And so Trent, you know, comes into Richmond and the song that's playing is A Well-Respected Man by the Kinks. And so that's oh. a great song and it, it feels very appropriate to Trent. But I think it's hilarious that Roy, I mean, that Ted suggested that they share the office because Roy can't stand him. And Trent's like, okay. And so that whole thing was so funny too, where Trent's like trying to make conversation. And you see Roy, like, first of all, his desk is covered.
1: In- covered. <laughs> covered in balloons and and C cards. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> who, who wrote the C card? I don't even know who. It said Liz. I was like, it's who's Liz?
0: Liza. Who's and so Liza? Liza works at the club and... We see her, I looked this up, that's why, um, she says hi to Ted in season two, episode six. Like when, that day when he's coming in and talking to everybody, Liza's one of the people that he talks to. And so, So
1: yeah. So random people, random staff are writing him. Oh, that's awesome.
0: Like everybody knows that they've broken up, right? But so we get a little Trent asking the question and just planting the seed for us that this is going to be, Roy's first time back at Chelsea since he retired. Mm-hmm. And I thought that that was actually really interesting to kind of think about because I don't, like we wouldn't have known that otherwise. Right. But when he starts popping those balloons. Oh, and time, the b- b- balloon one...
1: <laughs> popping. That's when I was just like, I love this dynamic. This is the new <laughs> awesome dynamic.
0: Uh, but let's fast forward to when they're at Chelsea. Right. And mm. so now they're in the locker room. The first half is finished and jamie again is stepping into his leadership trying to like share something and trent walks in and to the team's credit i mean they all shut up and yep we saw it earlier when trent walked into the locker room at richmond everyone shut up and so they all stopped talking and what i love is i think there's an element of we see Ted coming back into his leadership as well to where he pulls Roy aside and he doesn't even like sugarcoat it. He's like, your ego Mm -hmm. is getting in the way.
1: Yeah. Your ego is getting away of not just this, but this game, but the team. Yeah. And I was like, whoa, which maybe that's the theme. That's the theme that I pick up on because it's just like Keely taking care of it in the moment. Mm-hmm. facing your fear in the moment and having the hard conversation right then and there. Yeah. And then Roy has his difficult conversation right then and there. That's yeah. that's interesting.
0: Yeah. And so that was one of the issues we saw lacking last season, right? Mm-hmm. Is all the times Nate was leading with his ego. Mhm. Nobody was calling him out on it. That's true. Right. And so we see that there's been like a correction, and Ted is now like, nope, we're not going to let this drag on. Yep. And he tells him, like, look, you got to fix this. And I loved that scene where we see that vulnerability that, you know, Roy is hurt. So again, hurt Mm -hmm. people hurt people. Right, mm-hmm. and Trent had written this article when Roy was seventeen years old, mm-hmm. and it devastated him, and it got in his head, and it made him just think that he was not good enough. And I just thought that that like the whole like scene itself was really amazing, and how he explains it, and then he says, "Well, you know who wrote this?" Right? Trent says, "Yeah, I wrote it." And Trent was also up and coming and trying to make a name for himself, right? But he and was saying
1: doing- he was trying to be edgy because when he wrote it he goes i mean it's it's mean right he's like newcomer roy ken is overhyped a uh, cold prodigy with unbridled rage and is going to be a profound disappointment and then it roy's like is I'm, a profound
0: not going to oh, be is
1: oh is a profound disappointment and he's like i was 17 man yeah 17 and i've been carrying this around for now over 20 years yikes yeah.
0: I mean, and that tells you, right? The fact that he's been carrying it in his wallet this whole time. But to Roy's credit, Trent acknowledges it says he's sorry. And Roy forgives him. Mm -hmm. And like, he's like, okay. And that's it. And I was like, Mm -hmm. wow, like that is not easy, right? That is not easy, especially if you've carried something around for that long. Yeah. To just let it go and be like, all right, I forgive you. But I think this goes to that idea of second chances, like he's, yeah. he's going to give Trent a second chance here and it's going to benefit everyone. Right. And so I thought that that was just really beautifully done the way well, that this goes also to
1: the idea of difficult conversations. Right. And that when you go into one not trying to win, but trying to understand like something magical can come from that. And it doesn't mean that they're not going to have more conversations. It's like Keeley and the CFO are not going to have more conversations. But at least now you've built some sort of foundation of respect. Yeah. And then it's so simple because then Roy just comes back in. and He's just like, you can talk to him now. And they're like, oh, thank goodness. Oh, my goodness. I've been wanting to say things forever. And then Jamie goes right back to being like, yo, we can dribble up. And what I loved about this was. They don't belittle the audience. They actually talk about soccer strategy and being like, they're giving us the lane and they're just letting us dribble up. And then they're actually then do that during the game. And it's like, oh, this is fascinating. Yeah. Because typically they do that when they don't think a team is very talented. They'll just let them hold onto the ball. So I was like, oh, look at this. What's happening here?
0: Yeah. And so we get like, little bits of Roy and Trent's origin stories in that moment too, right? So we're getting to learn about what is it that has made them become who they are in this moment, right? And so, yeah, so I really, I really like that whole thing with them. And to tie up kind of Roy and Trent's story, when we get to the end of the day and we're back in the Mm. coach's office, we see Roy sitting there and he rips up the article and it's like, it's like this thing has been lifted. This thing that's uh-huh. he's carried for all these years has lifted and it's gone now. And and then when when Ted kind of asked them each, you know, like what are you doing for the weekend or whatever, or, or no, no, he asked him how is it to be back at Chelsea, right? And Roy's response about it being kind of sad, and I. I just, I had this moment of like, I could totally relate to this because Mm -hmm. he talks about how, you know, his last season playing there, he played that game against Arsenal. And it was the first time that he started to think about how he just couldn't keep up anymore. He wasn't good enough. And he just thought about it the rest of the year and then decided to just leave before anybody else could tell him. And it was such a perfect example of, again, going back to this idea of the inner critic, like the things that our inner critic says to us. And Uh I do a workshop called Embracing Your Inner Critic. And part of this is the idea that if we can learn to understand that that voice in our head is, it's not doing this out of malice or anything bad, it's actually trying to protect us, right? Right. Right, It's trying to say all the terrible things that we in some place in our minds, believe that others are saying about us or will say about us. Yep. And so it's better, I just say it all about myself before anybody else can do it. Yep. But the problem is that a lot of times it's not true and we make decisions based off of it. And so in mm-hmm. his case, he left a place that he loved doing something he yep. really loved, right? And it just felt so familiar. And I remember a few years ago, like I was in this mindfulness class and part of it is we had to do this hike and it was right after my mom died. And I was just like, I was in a, I wasn't in a great place and I just, I hadn't been exercising and I wasn't feeling good. And I just kept thinking, there's no way I can climb that thing. Like, and and I'm in this class full of elite athletes and Navy Seals mm. and all this stuff. And you know, like they're being told, I know you're going to want to run up this mountain, but I was like, who wants to run up? Like, Who's to runner up I the mountain?
1: Like, That's so, not my motivation. Like, I couldn't
0: even relate to that. You know, like but, I don't <laughs>
1: even want to be on this mountain, let alone <laughs> running up it. <laughs> I know and you want to so, sprint <laughs> up the whole thing. No, I don't. I want a mimosa right now. That's what I want.
0: <laughs> and so we were told, like, you know, try to to notice what thoughts are coming up and stuff and just mm. listen to your thoughts listen to your body but don't don't judge it don't you know just let go of it and what i noticed was like there was so much negativity right like mm. comparison like oh look at all these people that are passing you and oh look at all these people who are already done and this mm-hmm. and that And I finally had to get to a moment where like when I really started listening to my body and what my body needed in the moment and following, and I started just playing this game with myself, right? Like I'm just going to walk to the next Mm switchback. And if I get to the next switchback and I want to turn around, like I can turn around, it'll be fine. Mm -hmm. And I climbed that thing just one switchback at a time. And when I got up to the top, all I could think about was like, how many things in my life have I Told my, like, have I like missed out on because mm. I told myself I couldn't do it, you mm-hmm. know? And that had I just looked at the next switchback and just done like little pieces one by one, that I might have gotten to something big. Right. Yeah. And, and so that when I heard him say that, I was just like, yes, like that felt so familiar to me.
1: Yeah. I mean, I thought it was fascinating when Ted goes, well, lots of folks feel better to quit than mm-hmm. get fired. Right. And Groy was so worried about being one of those broken down football players. But when he says that part, when he goes, well, there's a part of me thinking maybe I should have stayed and just
0: enjoyed fucking myself.
1: enjoyed myself. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's like that part is also fascinating because then that makes you think of like his relationship with Keeley, Right. Yes. And like he could have just enjoyed it rather than like run away from it, worrying that something bad is going to happen. But how many of us have left something early because we're like almost too vulnerable. Mm -hmm. It's getting into a vulnerable spot. I don't know. Let me, let me, let me get out of this before I start feeling feelings I've never felt before.
0: Yeah. Or let me get out of this before the other person decides that I'm not good enough or that I'm not not worthy enough to be here. But the thing that really clinches it at the end there is he says, but that's just not who I am, I guess. Hmm. Right. And so he's already told himself like, Why do you even bother? Like, that's not who you are. And Ted says, not yet.
1: Not yet. And I love that. Yet that curiosity, the curiosity of like, "Hmm," you know, but then I love what he says. But then he goes, hmm. And Ted goes, if you hadn't left Chelsea, we wouldn't have met. (laughs) (laughs) Just smiling like that. And then he's like, good (laughs) night. And and I think what I also loved about that was, you know, Trent remembers that game. Trent probably wrote about that game. Mm -hmm. He was just like, he even turns, Roy even turns him, he goes, you know, I played, I played horrible that game. And he's like, yeah, you did. You know, but the fact that, that Roy is like looking at Trent and going, I'm about to share something very personal and you are in the room. Okay, fine. Exactly. Exactly. And that's only after he tears up that paper that he can actually go there.
0: Exactly. And I love this, you know, I think, the term not yet is so powerful, yes. right? Because with anything, if you add the word yet at the end of it, like there's so many things in our lives that, yep. okay, I may not be good at this yet, but I have the capacity to yep. practice or do whatever to shift that, right? And it's it's this way of shifting our mindset a little bit to bring in that yet. And so I really liked that. And
1: there's an awesome coach by the name of Khan Ramkisun, who taught me this idea of when they are taking on something new, they just remind themselves that they are just learning this. Right. Mm -hmm. And that instead of thinking like, I'm just not an expert, it's just like, I'm not an expert yet. Right. Mm -hmm. And that Khan once said, you know, when they go outside, sometimes they pretend the whole outside is like improv and they're just walking around the, you know, the, the room or walking outside, like, and any, person they experience is like improv. And I remember doing that same vibe at a conference and being like, "I'm not comfortable yet." But as I started playing in more and more, i I don't know, I was able to do things that I never thought I could yeah. do and And it was Khan that taught me this,
0: yeah. it's it's very powerful, I think. And a song that's playing towards the end there. And it's interesting, like, Ted, you know, once everybody leaves and he's just kind of sitting there thinking and it makes you wonder, you know, so you kind of get the impression that Roy's talking about, yeah, his football career, but like you said, also his relationship with Keeley, right? Mm-hmm. Also makes you wonder if Ted's thinking about his relationship with his family as well.
1: Yes, absolutely.
0: And that kind of heaviness at the end, like the sigh that he has, too. And so there's a not yet in there for him, too. We don't know what it is yet. Uh But the song that's playing, I really love. It's by Andrew Bird. It's called Night's Falling, and that's what plays over the credits. And it's all about, like, this young bird, right? And it's uh, about nights falling, but take courage. You're not alone. You're far from home, but you're not alone. And so, again, it comes back to that idea that, you know, you've got this community around you. And so it'll be curious to see, like, how he, each of them taps into that as they they move forward,
1: you know? Right. And then as Trent's leaving, he's like, you know, sport. It's <laughs> quite a metaphor. Yeah. And then Ted's like, it also makes a heck of a nickname. And then you're like, and I'm like, huh? And then he's like, good night, sport. And I'm yeah. like, oh, I love this. I just love these writers. I love these <laughs> writers. I don't care what anyone else says, writers. I love you.
0: Yeah. These are honestly, it's probably one of my favorite writing rooms of all time. Okay. So then let's talk about Rebecca, Rupert, and Zava. <laughs>
1: mm, that's the other big, that is a big fun, thing here. That is so much fun what happens there.
0: Yeah. So we've got Rebecca, you know, they're at they're at uh, Chelsea and oh, Oh, sorry. Can I can I say one thing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just want to go back to the locker room where everyone is talking about Zava and they're on the pitch and Danny runs up to
1: To Jamie
0: to Jamie. Yeah. And that whole exchange. He's like, I've never I haven't been this nervous since I played in El Chapo's youth league. I didn't even pick up on that. I thought that was
1: so funny. Or when uh, Rojas is like, do you think Zava saw me? Because that is a whole thing too between Jamie and Zava because Jamie's feeling like, you know, because everyone loves Zava Jamie's so much. Jamie's not
0: impressed. Yeah. He's Jamie's not like, impressed. Eh.
1: But also Jamie used to have Zava like tendencies. Oh, for so, sure.
0: For sure. So,
1: you know, talk about prima donna. Like he does it to another level. Yeah, but I will say one last thing about Roy is just like I love when he walks back into the locker room and he's like, you can now talk to this prick and everyone is all relieved. But I just love how they said how he said it yeah. that way.
0: And I also loved that the love that he got from the Chelsea fans when he walked out. Yeah, like, that was actually really
1: beautiful, too. That yes, you that know, is, and then he acknowledges them, which is really a big deal. Yeah. And also that he remembers even some of the staff, the yeah. fact that he remembered that guy. And he's like, how are you? Like, yeah. oh, just so beautiful.
0: But what's interesting is you've got that and then it cuts to, cuts the, the Zava showing up yep. cuts into yep. that, right? And so- yep.
1: Because he's the new, he's the new Roy.
0: Exactly. So when we get to the end and Roy's talking about that sadness, like it all comes, like you can see how it all pieces together. Yeah right yeah and so yeah i really thought that was nice okay so rebecca (laughs) rebecca is not you know she's she's convinced that rupert's gonna get zava because rupert always gets everything he wants and we start to get a little bit of rebecca's backstory her origin story right
1: which is so fascinating
0: right yeah so what what came up for you as you heard that
1: well, first, it's hilarious Higgins and her because she's like, jinx. Don't don't say anything about Zava, you know, because then you're, you're going to jinx it and then Rupert's going to get him. But when she shares the story, when they're watching the game and she's seeing Rupert do his thing with Zava and making Zava feel like the most important person in the room. And it takes her back to when she was a waitress at this whatever restaurant that Rupert used to be. Oh, she, she was a bartender. Oh, she was bar- a bartender, right? Yeah. This is a bartender at this, you know, restaurant. And Rupert comes in with his wife and still is like buying drinks for the whole room. And it's just the life of the party and then comes back and gives all of his attention to her and then does it over and over and over again each time. And then says, I don't even care if we go out. I just want to. Get to know you, like, oh man, and really making someone feel that special. Like, I started feeling special. <laughs> I started sort of feeling like, ooh, I want that Rupert type energy. And then now to see him do that with Zava, and he already did that with the person that he got pregnant, you know, and just like he just does that over and over again. Like, oh, it's, it's, yeah, she hasn't, she clearly hasn't gotten over that part of it it's still it's still so fresh
0: yeah and keely's line about it's a fine line between stalking and romance right like i think Mm. that that's actually it was a very perceptive comment but yeah like i think we talked about this before this idea of grooming people and i feel like this is how narcissists or just these master manipulators this is what they do right to get what they want they know all the right things to say and so we've already seen it with He says all the right things to Nate because he knows exactly what Nate needs to hear to feel valued and so that he will get into this place where he's going to do whatever Rupert wants because he, you know, Rupert has told him all the right things. And so in that same way, he did the same thing to Rebecca. He said all the right things over and over again until all he had to do was ask. And she's like, okay, you know. She knew he was married. She knew all of that. And like initially she was like, No, I'm not gonna go out with you. You're married, you know. And it just took him making her feel this way, making her feel chosen by saying all the right things that got her to to change, you know, her like go against her own values, right? And it's again, it's it's very it's a a form of power that we see a lot of leaders use. And it's Uh not it's not great you
1: know no i mean it's it's not just not great it's scary right yeah but then it also comes from talking about Rupert's crisis from the previous episode is just like this is his only way of interacting with human beings he must own them yeah. right he must like get them like trophies and he has no ability to just simply be human and have a connection with someone else so now he wants to own zava and this is happening in real time and rebecca is seeing this and at one point i was getting frustrated because i was like rebecca why are you just talking about it why don't you do something about it mm-hmm. and then finally she gets up and she's just like i could do this too and i was like okay rebecca yeah oh and i, and I love
0: that right because it's a great example of like how patterns get broken
1: yes right, right.
0: because she got to make a different choice this time Right. And when she initially goes over there, she's not let in, and then Rupert shows up, right? In his long coat, by the way, which looks very Death Star like, Death Star like, very, very,
1: very <laughs> emperor, very much like an emperor. Yep. Yeah. And it's dark too, where he's they see him.
0: Yeah, and we see that old pattern of how he treats her. Yep. Right, and in the past, right in
1: front of Zava.
0: Yeah. And so if it made me think about like that episode with the gala and like how he talked to her there and Mm -hmm. how she just kind of shut down and she was crying and she was upset and and she just kind of gave in. Right. She made him the MC and or the like the Mm -hmm. announcer and all that stuff. But this time she makes a different choice. Right. Because this time she can see it and she is able to be like, nope, I'm going to do it differently. And so she goes after like, well, even the way he introduces Zava. Right. This is my ex-wife and da da da. Right rather than you know she's this woman who owns a football club like she's the one who has to say like oh and I'm the the owner of Richmond mm-hmm.
1: right and both their vibe at first i was just like oh it's it's going to go really bad for her because zava's like it's a pleasure for you to meet me yeah. so like <laughs> there are already two narcissists she's dealing with in that room yeah. Yeah, at that very moment. And then I was like, well, I guess this is just it. And she's just going to go back up to the to the box. And then she goes into the bathroom, this crappy ass bathroom and literally berates this dude all while he's peeing. And you can hear the pee the whole time.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And she's just somebody said in one of these groups, I just imagined Rebecca doing her getting big pose before she walks into the bathroom. Oh Right.
1: You know? Right.
0: I don't know. I don't even know that she needed that because she was like fired up. She and, was. Dude. Yeah. And she was just like telling him all the stuff. Right. You're going to go to a team where they're going to win regardless of if you're there and yep. you'll never have to wonder if you're still as good as you say you are. But you and I both know you're overrated. You're overpaid. All the things that Roy was worrying about all those years ago, right, that people would say. And she obviously, like, makes a...
1: And you eat too much fucking (laughs) (laughs) asparagus. Like, just to remind you, he's peeing this entire time. (laughs) As if you didn't know, right? She's, like, right up in his face saying all this stuff. I just love that part.
0: And there's an element of like, she has no more like fucks to give about this anymore, right? right? Like she's kind of hit her limit and she's like, you know what? He's not going to come to us anyway. So Mm -hmm. what do I care? And it's often in those moments that we see like the biggest, like things happen, right? Right. And so she's
1: let go of the results at this point, right? She's now playing and just being like, Forget it. I'm doing whatever I want, and then exactly, you know. And then she comes back to hang out with Higgins and Keeley, and she's like, oh, "How did it go?" And she's like, "Oh, well, did you get him?" And it was like, "What's the opposite of that?" And she's well, like, "Well, no, because sour- yeah. she said, yeah, because she
0: said he said, did you sweet talk him?" And she said, "What's oh, yeah. the opposite said, of that?" Sour, sour yell. yell. <laughs> I love that. I'm like, I'm going to use that. Uh, sour. So yell. like,
1: I feel at the same time that Richmond is gaining confidence. Is like, we can actually. Beat Chelsea, or at least tie Chelsea today. Mm-hmm. she's gaining confidence as she challenges Zava at that moment,
0: and by extension, Rupert, right?
1: Like yes, exactly. I'm not
0: going to allow you to put me in a corner or make me feel bad anymore because I can play at your level right. And i I'm capable
1: of doing that. And then the contrast when they both find out what Zava chose is Rupert sitting in his limo waiting for, of course, what's going to happen. They're Mm going to choose me. And Rebecca doesn't even want to watch. She has no desire to even watch. She doesn't even want to see it.
0: Yeah. So, well, but I think part of that is because she figures it's not going to go their way anyway, you know. But yeah. So, yeah. So I thought that that was actually really clever.
1: And then Zava goes, I have changed zava will not play for chelsea <laughs> zava will play for richmond and may like, i what? keep this pen
0: <laughs> And you see the chelsea manager
1: like it's mouthing like, to what, his people like, what a wtf like yeah. what's happening <laughs> and then they start <laughs> and then and then you gotta love the fans you gotta love those three fans and the uh, what is the owner of the bar? Oh, yeah. Where they're May. like, Zava, Zava, yeah, yeah. Zava, Zava. Like, they've yeah. already come up with a song for Zava.
0: Right. After, but that they cut to that when Jamie says the fans aren't going to like this. Right. Right. And then they cut to the fans and they're like thrilled. But to your point, like, I think for as good as this guy is, his reputation precedes him. So mm-hmm. while it's going to be good for a while, like, it's not going to be so good at some point. So, right. That's right. going to be really interesting to watch to see kind of how that comes about, so.
1: and also how Ted's going to handle it, right? Because Ted has handled a diva before, and Jamie, right, mm-hmm. and did that whole Alan Iverson. We're talking about practice talk. Yeah. Is at some point he's going to have to do that to Zava? Like this is interesting because that then-
0: I I don't know. Like I I feel like a speech like that wouldn't have worked on a Zava. Probably, you know, so it will be interesting to see like how that goes. Yeah. So any big takeaways from this episode?
1: Well, as I'm just thinking about it, like if Zava's joining the team, right? The team is all about team and Zava's all about Zava. Mm -hmm. So this is going to be a fascinating adventure. But yeah, the, the overall theme that I pick up on is stepping up and having that difficult conversation in real time, because Keely has it with the CFO. Ted has it with Roy. Roy has it with Trent. And then Rebecca has it with Zava. Yeah. (laughs) Like they all, they all, all four of them all step up in there and it's, and they have to have it at that point. They have to have it at that moment. There's no other time. They need to have it at that present moment. That whole five second rule, Mel Robbins, right? It was just like, I gotta do it, and I'm gonna do it right now. And see what, you know, see what actually good could come from confronting your fears like Ted's son and mm. going into the sewer and yeah, having that hard conversation.
0: Yeah. I think the takeaway for me on this one is the not yet, that we mm. always have an opportunity to change the trajectory that we're on, you know, and that we can we may not be where we think we want to be or should be or could be, but that's not the end of the story. There's always a not yet, not, I shouldn't ever use the word always, but there has the potential to be a not yet there so that you can, you can change it, you know? And I love
1: that. Oh, I love that. That's very beautiful. Oh, so Thanks. Good. Thanks. I'm already loving this season. This is so
0: good. I really like this season, too, and it's just there's a lot of stuff. So there's
1: so much stuff, so much, so layered. It's just so layered. Yeah. Yeah. I love you writers. I just love these writers. I know.
0: I know. Well, thanks, everyone, for listening. And yeah, we'll see you next week.
1: All right. Good night, sport.
0: Thanks so much for listening to another episode of What Would Ted Lasso Do? If you got any nuggets of Ted Lasso wisdom from this episode, try them out in your life and let us know what happens at WWTLDpodcast on Instagram or on our website, WWTLDpodcast.com, where you'll also find a full transcript of the show. We love hearing what other Ted heads took away from the episode or details or perspectives that we might have missed.
1: And if you do like the show, please subscribe and head on over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star rating. Every rating helps us get our show in front of more listeners. To that end, we'd also ask if you enjoy the show, please share it with your friends, loved ones, randos on the street. You get it.
0: Thank you to the team at Podify for producing our show, to Kajal Dabalia for all our visuals and graphics, and to Kenzie Slato for our theme song. And most of all, thank you to all of you for listening.
1: Ted Lasso could simply just be another show to binge watch. Or if we challenge ourselves to consistently ask the question, what would Ted Lasso do? It could change the trajectory of your life. It has for us.
0: So join us again next time as we explore another episode and ask ourselves, what would Ted Lasso do?